Welcome to Drunk on Comics Podcast, episode 262. In this week's episode, we have some more interviews that we conducted at Motor City Comic Con 2017. We have up to bat Travis McIntyre that I conducted with Jay from An Elegant Weapon. Rob Hogan stopped by during it as well. We also have Dave Schwartz and Jay Fosgett. Now, I will say while editing all these, uh, I did have the pleasure of talking to Travis, but outside and with our microphones, with how much that they pick up, the wind is always a problem, and I tried to edit it as best as possible, but there are still some parts that you can kind of still catch the wind, so only a few parts where it sounds a little garbled. I try to reduce the noise there so it doesn't hear your earbuds. Um, but with that, uh, we got another great show, so hopefully you stick around for some of the more interviews we got coming later on in the week. But with that, sit back, relax, and enjoy Drunk on Comics Podcast, episode 262, interviews from Motor City Comic Con 2017, part due. P.O.I. or Tony McCain of uh, Drunk okay. on Comics. I'm also here with the man with the plan, Mr. Travis McIntyre, the man behind Source Point Press. Gentlemen, how's your weekend uh, proceeding? It's been pretty wild. It's one of the best shows of the year. Yeah, always love it here. It's been packed more than I've ever seen it packed, eh? Uh, I think it definitely grew. Um, I heard that it was one of their it was their biggest Friday ever attendance-wise, and for us it was our biggest sales Friday at the show ever. Makes sense. After having done this, well, the line years. was around the building twice, man. It was insane. Twice until like one or two o'clock. Yeah. Not like just for the whole morning. It was like insane, man. The, the crazy thing is that a lot of the bigger shows this year have been a, have been re- reporting somewhat lower attendance. So, right. Right. But here, you know. Detroit. People love this show. Well, that's because you're here, man. It's yeah, totally well, that is the thing. You're the here. People hear that I'm here. Hey, let's let's out. talk about your presence, though. We won't get into the logistics of why. Sure. But uh, have you ever had a presence at a show where you were kind of split because you've got the one section with you're basically halved. You've got like a bunch of tables yeah, along the so wall. So we actually do at some of the bigger shows, like the you know like the C2E2s, things that we've done is we'll have the, the publisher section. And then we'll have one or two artists that we'll throw into an artist alley. Oh, yeah? Right. So yeah. we have done it before, and it does, you know, depending on the show, it works. Smaller conventions, it doesn't work, right? Well, you you want to be yeah. more condensed, and you want to be able to, like, bounce people to different stations around your section as much as possible. Okay. Um, so some of the big, big shows, we do do that, you know, right. to we'll sort of separate... Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> well, in, in Philly, you have the booth in the way that I like that... When you kept walking, you're like, oh, these are the same guys. Mm-hmm. Like, it's one of those situations. It took so long to get around. You should have saw their setup in Philly, Tony. It was it was insane. It was like a, like a, a crazy trade show or something. Yeah, it was and awesome. And it was a big, giant circle. And literally, as basically as you walked, like, these two aisles, no matter which way you went around or wherever, it, it was, was Source Point. It was amazing. It was like building a castle. I think it's <laughs> awesome. That was 
that was a, you know, yeah and i really to... i really really enjoy that unfortunately there's because it's so big and it's so tall and all the stuff there's only so many shows and it because it costs so much to transport that there's only so many shows we can do that at you know like i could never maybe not never but i certainly wouldn't be able to do that now at like a new york you know or something like that oh, it would cost oh, the cost God, would be no. astronomical yeah. and getting everything there would be crazy joining the party yeah Julie tricked me last night. Hey, just so you know, this is deep. Hey, these are recording, just so you're aware, because I don't want you to hey. sue us. You're welcome to join us. Sure. Yeah. You can't yeah, sue in. us, though, because we don't put up with that kind of shit. Okay? <laughs> so, I, can I swear? If it's kept to a, a so certain like, fucking minimum, you so can okay, fucking so. do what you fucking want. Could I say mother dick? Mother Dick is. Okay, I haven't heard that one before, but that's a good one. I don't know. I bet you just jamming words together at this point. No, that's that's from Walking Dead. Abraham. Oh, yeah. Nice, nice. I don't think those words have ever been uttered on this show before. Now, Travis, you uh, were talking about some cons that you've been at, and you guys have had a rigid schedule this last year. Yeah, it's nuts. It's nuts. What's the whole Um, next year seem to have in store? Uh, So, well, for me, it's going to be less. As I did, the company did 50 shows last year. We're on the calendar for 50 shows this year. Last year, I did 41 of them. And by November, like the last three shows of the year, I was an angry, <laughs> tired prick. And uh, it just really, it burned me out, man. And you know, I have yeah. two small children, so being away that many We have a real life sucked. too, as a lot of us do, right? So that was, that was tough. So this year I brought on two new guys um, to sort of help handle and, and kind of do what I do, which is just make sure everything's in order, the hotels are good, everything's done, we know where we're supposed to be. And hopefully next year I'd actually like to get down to about 12. Really? Of me personally. Yeah, just you. Yeah, you know, I'll come to yeah. all the ones you go to. Well, you'll, you'll... Not you, though, Tony. Oh, fuck nah. off. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to keep the Canadian ones to yourself, too. You have to keep right. coming up for those. Yeah, like the close ones. You know, the ones where I don't have to drive very far. Try I was saying hard. yesterday, like, I, I, I expect some of these shows, like, you know, some of the artists probably really want to do it. And they don't want to be, like, the B team, unfortunately. So I think you should have, like, a total, like death battle match for who gets to come to Fan Expo in Toronto. We, and I would well, love that, to see that. That happens, believe me. When I post, well, you know, we have an, uh, a closed group or whatever on, on the Facebooks where, yeah. we, where I throw up the calendar and this is where we're at and I'll be like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm scheduling what shows do you want, you know. I'll, they'll, I'll get, you know, I'll have like, I've got nine spots from New York City and I'll get 25 requests of people who want <laughs> yeah. to come. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, everybody wants to come to the marquee shows. Unfortunately, this isn't the reality. Of course. Um, you know, so we have to be smart about it. But we've gotten so, our presence has gotten so big that even, at least in this region, right. even the smaller shows, we tend to do extremely well and people like right. going to them. You right. know? So right. Well, I don't like to think of it as a B team kind of situation. No, it's just, just well, part you know, of it is you guys' personality. Because like, you'll have multiple shows on the same weekend, basically, is what I'm saying. Last weekend, so we maybe a three. big show. Yeah, Same exactly. So, you know, in some smaller shows and stuff like that. But the one awesome benefit that you have is that all your guys are team players. They will That's all true. go where they need to go. They yeah. may grumble, I'm sure. You know. There's grumbling. I'm sometimes. sure sometimes. My dad's I, like, I crush it with an iron fist. Well, Devin, you know, he's. <laughs> he's idiot. just a regret. <laughs> yeah, he's a. From the beginning. Constant <laughs> source of pain. <laughs> that guy. What else you got, Tony? Well. What's new with you? <laughs> really? Wow. Is that what God you, damn it. Really? 
Hey Travis, what's your favorite color? <laughs> my favorite color is uh, I don't know. I, I really like like burnt orange. Do you use and any I beard like oil? Green. But I haven't in like four days. I asked Mike. Ruth I do. This. I do try to put some beard oil in because it makes a huge difference. It keeps it like nice and shaped and not all over the place. I'm trying to get him some softball questions before we get to the real journalism <laughs> here. The hard stuff. Last week on Free Comic Book Day, I asked. Uh, so I gotta before, ask. So I, I asked them, uh, Mike Ruth. I said, "What is your favorite sandwich?" Travis McIntyre, what is your favorite sandwich? Oh shit, that's tough. Um, so if I'm home, and uh, what I like to do is I make, so I think that people who make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches without putting that butter on them are doing it completely wrong. So it's butter, and then it's like triple serving of peanut butter, and then it's like as much jelly as you can possibly jam onto it, and that's really? probably my favorite sandwich yet. I don't eat it very much because I'm a fat person, and my wife doesn't <laughs> like me. My wife doesn't like me to eat 4X servings of peanut butter in a sitting. All but right. if she's not around, yeah. I'll make two of them. I eat a lot of peanut butter. I like apples and peanut butter. Oh, that's my like nightly snack. I cut up apple mm. slices, smear them in peanut butter. Mm -hmm. Goddamn delicious. Maybe a few crackers and cheese on the yeah. side. So, Glass yeah, so that's probably my favorite sandwich. Um, I'm a I'm a big macaroni and cheese fan. You, you know, are essentially you? like a yeah. <clears throat> essentially like all the foods that you liked when you were in fourth grade. I like that stuff. <laughs> now, Do you like what, bologna? What it, yeah, I like bologna and relish. Oh, I don't know about relish, but it's delicious. Well, that's what I made for my kid is bologna sandwich in the morning because it's the best thing he you know that he'll eat as a sandwich. So I just make the same for myself because you know I don't want to fuck around. I want to get out two different things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I pull out the relish. And I've eaten it since I was like three years old. Like, or bologna and mustard is also an excellent choice. We should give it. We should. Fried we have, ring bologna is where it's at. What? Fried ring bologna. Yeah. What is that? Ring. You get like a real bologna, like a ring. Yeah. And yeah. then you fry it. And yeah. Oh. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. Right, it's so right. good. Um, while I'm thinking of it, though, we got to talk about an actual serious thing. And this weekend was the debut of the Rejected. It was, and yeah, staying in Kanopka. How's this gone? Uh, it's been incredible, honestly. We did uh, 100 copies of a Motor City exclusive version of it. Uh, it's not actually going to release for several months, but, uh, you know, we flew Stan out here to do it. He's, you know, he's the Stanimal, so yeah, yeah. he's been slamming it, and we're going to sell We'll sell the last couple we have today. That's so fantastic. it's been really nice. Congratulations. It's been really nice, and it's a great book. Oh, it know. turned out beautiful. Beautiful Corey book. Christian Anderson, gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous work, you know, so. Yeah, yeah I'm very happy with it. I mean, I couldn't be happier for Stan and with Stan. Right, right. So, but now we can look out for it, or the kids can look out for it at the shows. It'll be around. The It'll source be, points there. Will it be on the table, or are we got to uh, wait for a bit more? Not for the next couple of weeks. It won't be. Okay. Um, but by summer, it will be, and then probably, you know, a wide release sometime closer to fall right on right on these things take time of course so how, so you're, you're also Hollywood? a very slow and lazy group yeah of also just jesus you it's know? a like, group of the most degenerate fuckheads it's, it really is a wonder you guys get anything done <laughs> it is yeah yeah it is so it is like uh, i was the only me and josh were the only two actually here when the convention opened this morning <laughs> which what? yeah and they come walking in and i'm like <laughs> did he even What's sleep you fucking animals Josh, yeah. like, like three hours or something. That's insane. You guys are bad influence on him. I know, I know. We are. It's my wife. I blame her. It's all her <laughs> fault. All her fault. Dragging her out of these parties. She's having too good time. I, yeah. I heard you were getting a little grouchy at the end of the night. I was really was getting that, grouchy. Did that happen? No. I couldn't believe it. I was like, Jay Clark doesn't get grouchy. I was just tired. I was just, I want to go, oh, oh, oh. 
More that than And then you went back to Fosgate's place and you're like, this Pass sucks. Fuck yeah. This is <laughs> that awful. was one of them absolute out. I just can't believe he filler. got you like a normal, a man-sized blanket. Every time I've stayed at that dickhead's apartment, <laughs> he's like, yeah, here's the pillow from my, the throw pillow from my couch. And here's like <laughs> a, one of those three-quarter size blankets that doesn't even cover you up. It doesn't like Bullshit. you very much. Well, no. No, clearly. <laughs> It's because we're a married couple. Yes, and you so we hate each other, and, like all married couples. It's one of those beautiful disasters, you know what I mean? Hey, yeah. over to you, Tony. So, <laughs> as I was trying to ask earlier, how's how's Hollywood life with you? Oh, hey. oh God. Uh, so right now, we are in post production on the Rotten Tail film. Can I have a smoke? Yeah, yeah, certainly. Um, we're in post production on the Rotten Tail film, and. Um, the movie ended up going uh, over budget by uh, a decent chunk, uh, chiefly because you. the last week of filming we were on location in the desert north of Phoenix, and it poured ass rain for two solid days. In the desert? Yeah. When they, you, you figures when you guys go to the desert to make a movie, it, was it fucking rains. completely insane. So we lost two days. And so what happens when that happens is... So everyone is still getting paid for those two days, and you have hotels for those two days. But then you have to add two days onto the end, which means two extra days of hotels, like 20 hotel rooms, and you know two extra days of pay for everyone. And yeah, then all your SAG so actors right. have like a rider where they get you know an overtime thing. So you know our our bigger name actors are cost us 12 grand each for two more days. So it turned into rain really. Did you see what God did to us, man? <laughs> it, was, it was really rough. It, that, that sucks, man. That slowed us up. So we ended up having a little bit of trouble with the money on post, but everything's straightened out now. So we're, good, well good. In, good, good. we're well rolling into post, and we've gotten um, quite a few offers of distribution, from, and including a couple from some of the big, big kids. Excellent. Um, but, you know, like just because they're big kids doesn't mean it's the best offer. No, no, I understand. You know, so you got to be... See what fits for you. you got to be real careful, and... Um, one of our biggest advantages right now is that, you know, the, the company owns the, the majority of the film. We own almost almost all of it. And so I don't have, like, an outside investor breathing down my neck to get something signed and get this going. Right, right. So I can afford to be like, you know what, it's done. I'm just going to be patient. You know, so we, we haven't signed anything yet. We're kind of waiting. We may wait until the movie is closer to done and we actually have a rough cut to really start showing and see what we can drum up. Right on. Um, so I think I think that it's going really good. I feel really good about it. You know, we have a publicist, publicist um, in the in with the production company who's been pushing the shit out of it. So there's some exciting stuff coming, including when and where we're gonna. I believe the world there were even some rumblings that uh, we might have some sort of distributive release up north in the Canada. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Definitely. That's no, great, no question whatsoever. That will. That's. Every deal that we've been offered so far is a, like at least a full North America deal. Um, right. And, but most of them are the world. Most of them, they want, awesome. they want the whole world. Awesome. But that's not even then. That's not always the best, right? right. Sometimes, um, and I'm learning as I go here. So if anybody out there's like this guy doesn't sound, has no idea. Oh, what he's absolutely! About. Like if we need to clarify this and put some sort of you know explanation, Travis has no idea what, what he's the doing fuck ever. He's doing no, ever. I've been making just this so you all know. As I go, Source Point Press is I'm the f- biggest stroke of luck I have <laughs> yeah. ever. Yeah. See, absolutely, like. <laughs> or or horrific misfortune. The jury is still out. <laughs> um, uh, I'm very excited about Seance though. The seance, seance room. Yeah, Seance room. Sorry. Seance room. Yeah, that's uh, also a new book. Um, 
How did that, I not uh, hear about it though? Like I saw it on the table and I was like, "What is this?" I, really? It didn't cross my path. Um, Somebody dropped the ball on that one, Travis. Well, because that's me. right up my wheel. You got to talk to our social media guy. I think yeah, I'll have I'm to do that. I'm a degenerate idiot. I can barely <laughs> handle my own social media. But the book is beautiful. It is gorgeous. Uh, yeah. Kayla Valerio out of New York City did the art. She is amazing. Um, ben Goldsmith, uh, who is like a walking man-child from Boston, <laughs> wrote the script. It's uh, going to be a four-issue series. We each issue a standalone, similar to the Monsters thing, where it, but it all takes place in the same setting, right. and they all sort of interlink. Right. Uh, so the first one came out. Uh, we already sold out of it here, actually. Right, right. <clears throat> I Congratulations. To, I had to give you one of my I'm sorry, copies. but I think I've earned it. Yeah, you're all right. I think I've earned it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's going to come out. Um, again, that, that will probably won't do a wide release for a while, probably till the fall, right. um, because we need to get the second one completely wrapped, too, and that's in production now. Before we kind of go wide with it, I like to have at least two issues in the can. Right, right. Um, but it's a, it's an absolutely gorgeous book, and it's going to be available at all the digital locations. Yeah. You like the next to do runs. We were talking about this the other day. You, you don't like to really, you're not really in the mindset of a really big, long, ongoing series. You kind of like do to not do these like them at all. sets. Is it because of, uh, do you have a fear of success? It's, no, it's because of money. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's because of money and logistics. Three or four issue series is something that we can wrap our heads around. We can budget. We know what right. we're getting into. Right. We can do it. We know we'll go bing, 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 collect the trade. At some point, maybe do a Kickstarter either at the front end or the back if end situation to, to pre-sell something up, special though, about it. Where it could be profitable, would you reconsider? Would you be willing to? If something, say you had a book that really got so people were just craving for more and more and more of something in particular. Well, shit, dude. I mean, the monstrous book. Right. I mean, that's, that's sold over 8,000 copies. Wow. You know? I mean, right. that's a legit number for a mm-hmm. small press publisher. Oh, fuck yeah. You know? Uh, and even that, I'm like, no. <laughs> it's just, it turns into this thing where it becomes, you know, you're, you're trying to keep up with this monthly release thing, and you, you have this constant outlay of money that goes in. Number one, the biggest thing, like, my number one job as the guy who runs the publisher is to protect the brand, right? Right. Protect our brand, protect what we do. And I also don't ever, I don't want to, I don't want to get into where we have these like legacy characters that we're constantly like, you know, that that's where we hang our hat brand, and that's right, our shit, you right, know, right, like what we're right. trying to be is like, we're the publisher that will do the thing and do the art style and do the stuff that no one else is doing because that's, that's what we've been successful yeah. at. And but you continuously, even though you bring in new guys and fresh blood, you, you continuously use the same teams. Office. Switched up, interacted. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know that you know that we it's have a collaborative kind of. Yeah, we it's have not just publishing. It's we have writers that we've worked with for a while that we really trust, and I know because it's not just about a good story and a good art. It's about like, are you the right type of person? Like, are you going to put in the work and the sweat, blood, and tears to like get your book out there at any and all cost? So you know, Casey Pierce, David Hayes, Greg Wright, uh, Bob Sally, like you know, well, these Bob are guys. Bob Sally is a fairly new addition, right? He is fairly new, but we've already done two books so? for him. Yeah, yeah. Probably a little less than. Yeah, right. But on. I mean, he's a 100% a team player. Oh my he gets god! Out there. Yeah, treasure to have him in Toronto. That was a lot. Of fun. So, uh, to a certain extent, if something comes to me, uh, you know, I get some kind of brainwave, and I'm like, oh, I really want to do this. Book. I mean, chances are I'll go to one of those guys. You right, know, a guy right. that we 
already have it, I already know I can count on them. Trust, be like, hey, yeah. you want to write? You want to write something like this and just right, see if they right. want to do it. Right. You know, I mean, we get submissions, tons and tons of submissions all the time, and some of them are great. Right. I turn down tons of great submissions, not because they're not good, but because they don't fit what we're doing. Right. Right. Or right. they're not just part of the plan, because you know we're planned out through 2018. You know, with Jesus, books and releases. Really? Well, you have to be. Yeah, you have to be. So. It takes months well, and months and months away, to get this. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, think Tony, I mean, I think Tony had his hand up. Oh, I was going to ask you about <laughs> second grade. Yes. Well, Jay likes to talk a bit. I, yeah, yeah. Tony. You got to fight. And, and I See just kind of. Have a good day, Rob Hogan. Just let him kind of. Yeah, Rob Hogan go. is a fine artist, right? by the way, and yeah. he's a fucking genius. A genius. He's a genius. Oh, he's and, coming back and, and also, you're this lamenting. Right and on. also, he does like he does something that I don't know if I've I don't know if I've ever seen it at a convention. He does like commissioned paintings because the guy can paint faster than anyone on the planet. Probably. Don't don't tell really? my collectors that. <laughs> <laughs> so he'll do these like small commissioned paintings That's like amazing, live man. at the show. Wow, wow. So I mean, you, since you've been standing here listening to me chat, you might as well throw out like where people can find your stuff. Where can people find oh, it? Check um, it out. Right now, uh, at the con, I'm at F13. Right. So Friday 13. Remember that nice little mnemonic device there. But um, should go for that every time. My website is robhogan.me, so R-O-B-H-O-G-A-N.me. On Instagram, I'm R-E-H-G-N-3, and so check out work. And Hey, apparently this fucking guy's a genius kid, so I'd go check it out. <laughs> Shit, yeah. No, that's awesome, dude. That's fucking cool. Do you do like, uh, I, so you're just like piece by piece fine illustrator? You don't do like a book? Or I do um, actually acrylic on canvas. Cool. So I do actual paintings. I don't sketch out any like work beforehand. Or, eh? I, I try, I want to, it's a little bit between like an impressionist and expressionist in right. the sense of I start off just trying, I want to capture that essence that if you see a pop culture when yeah, folks have like memory in you. Pop culture in, yes. into that world. Yeah. Right and on. so. You gotta um, go check it. I will. Check it I will. I'm gonna come over. Yeah, Absolutely. so it's, it's kind of cool being able to get that into gallery settings and to bridge that gap between fine art and pop art. That's awesome, man. That's cool. It's a little, uh, it's not on the acrylic on canvas level, but Sean Daly, of course, can't do a podcast without bringing up Sean. So we found the He's perfect segue. He's also a genius. But he, it's just watercolor. But he, he'll have the messiest yeah. table. And I'm excited to see yours. Maybe it'll fight. But he has the messiest table at every con because he watercolors. Watercolors fast like a madman, right? Inks, watercolors. His table's just a goddamn mess. So I'm excited. I'm actually a pretty clean painter. <laughs> one of my one of my art colleagues that I do collaborative work, he's an abstract expressionist, Mark E. Yeah. He he expressionism paint everywhere. And when we work together, I have to protect our pieces to make sure that <laughs> get on you like nice. it's is it like a yeah. sitcom? You put up a, a yes. curtain in between the room? Well, well, because he'll, he'll work on it. So Mark is a really interesting dude in that he'll work, um, he'll spend a lot of time, weeks, creating these pieces. He likes using really rare paint materials for him. Right. Um, but when he starts applying it, he'll use different medium, different application materials. And as he's doing it, and we're working on something a little bit more structured, paint starts splattering on it. I got to throw my body in front of it and make sure it doesn't get on it. So, hey, hey. <laughs> that's awesome. Man. Yeah. You're a Michigan guy. Oh, Chicago. 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 Right on. Chicago. Well, I get confused because sometimes the Chicago also sounds like the down river. Right? Oh, man. 
Thoughts? What are your ass? He's from a fucking Canadian. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you betcha. Uh, I'm still. He's made Down River sound like some mystical, magical Smurf Village type place to me. No, I'm the opposite of that. <laughs> Smurf, he's orange. He's not blue. I don't know why. If I Casey were head. here, I would go into the whole Down River spiel about how it's like <laughs> Northern Kentucky and all that. Well, let's go in the Up the River spiel. Okay. Oh, nice. As, as you were saying earlier, you like to have, you know, like three or four issues of books and you and, you, so and you like <laughs> to have You like to have conclusions to all this you self-contained are a real piece of garbage, Tony. <laughs> Any word? Uh, okay, so here's the thing. So we started this series a long time ago. We did the first issue and then we did the first issue again. You also did an entire episode of An Elegant Weapon about it. Wow. <laughs> I see how this is going to go. Okay, and in the intervening years, so so I did this with me, Steve Shar, and Sean Seal. In the intervening years, I started a publishing company and sort of stepped away from working on a lot of my own work, right? There's a few reasons for this. One, I don't want anybody who's going to come to work with us think that, like, SourcePoint is some kind of vanity press for all my shit. And I also... I mean, I don't push, I don't put my stuff front and center out right. there, you know, yeah. it's whatever yeah. is the new thing, whatever we're trying to push, because right. I'm, of course. I'm company first, you know, I'm trying yeah. to make this thing happen. So it, it became less of a priority. Now, the first seven scripts have been written, which we're condensing into a shorter thing. And the second issue, the pencils and inks are done and they're being colored, but it's just really slow because both Steve and Sean at the time were new to the industry and didn't have anything going on. And now they're both doing paid page work all the time, right? right? And so this right. thing that we all kind of started together and they own a third of with right. me right. is just, you know, it's not an upfront money situation. It's something that we all work on in our spare time. Right. And, you know, this more important things came along. Well, I mean, it's not that it's more important. It's that the... the Priorities? Yeah, it just becomes a priority. You know, they're getting... Their careers are going places and they have... They're getting more work, you know, and so... It comes down to like, oh, you know, I, I love this and I, I'm going to continue working on it, but I also have to turn in, you know, five pages. You know, Steve's working on the, the new Halston book for us right now. And, you know, we, we and amongst other things, Hopefully you know, and Sean is it's really good. Sean is slowly yeah. losing his mind as it is. So it's, <laughs> it's like my go to question for Travis all the time, though. Yeah, you is sons it? of bitches. <laughs> I had two people yesterday come up and they're like, hey, this is the, I really like this. When's the second one coming out? It's been like two years. I'm like, tell me, go talk to that asshole Steve. He's right over there. Go bust his balls. Steve also runs a comic shop. Well, runs is a that's a, that's <laughs> a, a bold term. statement. He stands around in it a lot. Right now, I hear you're getting into the soda business. Yeah, Asylum Asylum Beverages uh, started that company with uh, Paul Burke, um, his daughter Janelle, a variety of other people. Josh Warner is involved. Um, sort of a takeoff from the Dead World Zombie Soda that they were doing with the company Caprice Brands, and then of course. That had great success, far beyond what anyone imagined it was going to do. And then, unfortunately, last year, uh, Gary Reed, you know, the, the godfather of Michigan Comics, passed away. I believe birthday. Today is Today. Gary's birthday, yes. Right, right. So, would have been uh, happy 61st right on, right on. to Gary. So, Gary passed away suddenly uh, near the end of last year in October. And 
it was decided that um, I wasn't involved in the company at that time. I was sort of tangentially involved um, just because I knew all those guys. That without Gary continuing on with a Dead World branded thing wasn't something that anybody was comfortable doing. And so we, they kind of went back to the well and shuttered it and are rebranding it as Asylum Beverages you know, to continue going on. And now I'm, I'm much more involved. And um, so this was the first convention we ever had any of it at. And I just brought four cases only on one day and we sold all of it. What's it taste like? What are the flavors? Um, we've got, right now we have vanilla root beer, wild berry, black cherry, and orange. That's pretty good. I mean, if you like soda, it's like a craft soda sort of I thing. I like to try the black you know, cherry. I love cherry. Black cherry sold out. The only one, we have like wild berry left, that's it. Which is also pretty good, but when you come back in, I'll give you a bottle. You know, it's a nice thing that often I have the problem of trying to obtain things from Source Point Press and they sold out. Yeah, yeah. it, it well, seems to happen good, all the time. It's a good problem yeah, for me. It's a good me. problem to have. It's a good problem for me for you to have. Yes. So yeah, the sodas, uh, you know, it's something that we're looking to launch over the next couple of months. You know, we've got basically all the distribution that, we have, that they have with Dead World is sort of carried over. So it's going to roll out. We're doing, um, you know, with Rotten Tail, this will be several months in the future, but we're doing a, we're going to do a Rotten Tail branded, you know, pink cotton candy uh, flavor. You know, going to do some really cool stuff. I'm pretty excited about it. And it's such a... You know, it's almost a weird thing to sort of marry in with the, this world. That's cool, though. Man. Yeah, it does seem to... It doesn't not fit, you know? You know it's funny know. sometimes what you find does fit, so... Uh, Look at Dirk, yeah, Dirk Manning and his uh, Dirk coffee there. That was... Everybody... They loved that. People... Nothing... All you saw... What a genius idea to get your fans to be your promo team and just constantly posting pictures of the mug and the... You know? He got everybody to do it for him. He's an animal, <laughs> that guy. You know, <laughs> for better great. or worse, yes. Dirk is coffee. <laughs> yeah. No, he's he. In the, he'll, I mean, he'll try almost. You know, he'll try shit. Oh yeah. Know, see, see what, see what sticks. Yeah, you know? yeah. So yeah. I think that one's stuck. Oh, uh, the coffee thing? Yeah. yeah, that was a that's a winner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a winner. Yeah. No, Travis, I got a question from our fans, and it is. What are your two favorite podcasts, and why is it an elegant weapon in Drunk on Comics? <laughs> um, that's a that's tough. So do you, you really you want to know what my real two favorite podcasts? Are? Yes, I do. Yeah. I do. Uh, probably the ones I listen to the most. Uh, well, one, I mean, you do tend to listen to people you know, right? Everybody yeah. does that. Yeah. Um, so, so, so because I don't want to break any hearts. You know, here or anyone who might listen to this, because I have so many friends who do podcasts, and I listen to a lot of them. Yeah. Um, but my two favorite, probably non uh, people that I personally know, podcasts are Star Talk. Yeah, yeah that's Neil deGrasse Tyson. With Neil Tyson, yeah. Yeah. Um, because in in real life I am a scientist, so I really enjoy that show. And uh, I really like Education, the I Kevin Smith. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. With uh, Andy McElfridge. Andy McElfridge. Professor. Yeah. Andy McElfridge. Not a real professor. Yeah, you're the so, guy with yeah. The, uh, yeah. so those are probably my two favorite, not that I know, but yeah. obviously, Drunk on Comics is a great show. You know, despite Tony's involvement, you in fact are a podcaster, and I forget it all the time. Well, well no one should shit all the time. No one should listen to that show. That show is like one. It's mostly about two things: like me telling horrific stories from my own life, or me yelling at Devin. Yeah. Like those are pretty much. So if that appeals to you. 
then you should listen to that show. <laughs> but the crazy, the crazy thing about it is like we we do have. I mean, we yeah. haven't been. We, we're not like a huge podcast by any means. Right, right. Not like you two guys. Oh yeah. Okay. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we do have like a hardcore of like people who think it's really really funny and they just want to listen to me yell at Devin. It is funny. Yeah, it is funny. You know. Uh, yeah, I've had enough of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? After that bullshit. Uh, but it's pretty typical. Sourcepointpress.com. Yep. Sourcepointpress.com. You know? We're on Twitter. Easy to find. We're on Instagram. I'm easy to find. You know, look us up. You're just plain easy. Oh, yeah. All the way. Across the board. <laughs> Anything else, Tony? No. Thanks, yeah. Travis. Thanks, brothers. Yeah. Appreciate it. All right. I'm here with Dave Swartz. This is correct. All right. And I stopped by his booth yesterday because he did an awesome commission for me for my jean book, which I love. Um, but I asked him how his con was going, and he said commissions were awesome. Books, not doing as well as you would like because they're characters that people don't know about. Exactly. So let's teach people about these comic books. Okay. <laughs> Um, so the uh, the first one that I have is something that I've been working on for a couple of years now. It's called Atlas Origins. Um, it's a full six-issue story that I've compiled into a trade paperback. Um, it's the first story that I ever did myself writing and illustrating. Um, and it's basically about a guy who learns the real secrets of the universe. So in doing so, he can connect to all of conscious reality. So he's incredibly powerful. He's a reality bender. Um, he can do a lot of amazing things, and that's what's fun about writing the character. But um, the thing about him is, he's, you know, all of his power comes from his ability to concentrate on that inner space. So if he can't do that, he's just as vulnerable as anyone. So all of his villains are kind of based off of that idea, trying to make him doubt himself, you know, just throw him off his game, get him... Get like him, in life. Exactly. Um, <laughs> Except and, he's super-powered. Right, and, um, you know, one of the cool things about the story that, that I always tell people is it's not just a, a comic book story. I, I wrote a companion story in a journal um, that's featured at the back of the book. So okay. um, there's about 36 pages in the journal. Um, it essentially tells the story of how he trained to become a superhero, and that's kind of glossed over in the actual comic. Oh. It was just too big of a story to right. include, so I, I wanted to tell it some other way, and I found an interesting way of doing it through the journal and um, it's really been sparking a lot of attention when I you know get the chance to tell people about yeah. you know every facet about the story so um, that's cool and then I have two other ones right now that are um, one of them is in development with uh, Alterna Comics oh I love Alterna yeah they're, are you gonna do newsprint yes yes ah. I am jumping in on the newsprint game with them and um, they actually just uh, switched their printer so they're they're still doing newsprint okay but it's like a little bit better quality it's like nice. not so much 80s anymore it's more like that 90s style okay so I'm um, really excited about that partnership uh, we're gonna be coming out with it next year the, the title of it's called Feast or Famine okay um, it's a book that I write and color but I don't do all of the um, illustration work I actually have a really talented artist named Joseph Cooper um, he does all of the, the inks and the pencils on the book um, he's fantastic. It gives the look of the book really kind of this retro science fictiony sort of style. I'm looking at the cover here, and that's right. totally what it is. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it's um, you know the story really quickly is about a parallel dimension where Nikola Tesla and Albert Einstein partner together what? to create this futuristic so you know world. Um, and in the story is essentially about their first adventure off-world. So okay. they actually build a machine to go to a distant planet and explore. 
and what they find is a little bit more than what they can handle. So, Interesting. Um, that's going to be a three-issue book. Uh, it's Each issue is going to be 32 pages, so you get a little bit more in each issue, okay. um, but it's a really tight and concise story. So, And then the other one that I'm still shopping around at the moment is called Confederate Monster. Um, it's a horror comic, um, and essentially the story is about um, Igor after the the infamous events of the Dr. Frankenstein monster. Um, he actually travels to America and assumes a new identity. Um, after learning all of the techniques from Dr. Frankenstein, he becomes a uh, practicing plastic surgeon, one of the first in the country for the Civil War soldiers who are coming back wounded from war. So the Confederate uh, wow. generals, they find out about him and his, his true nature and essentially blackmail him into creating an army of undead Frankenstein monsters for him. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a really fun and interesting concept. Every time I tell people about it, they're really just it's, yeah, like, like, wow, like, that's cool. Where are these ideas coming from? Uh, just a, a crazy place inside of my head that I can't really you are like, pinpoint. They're, I mean, they're all sci-fi, but they're the all such, like, I mean, horror sci-fi, but they're such... They're like different offshoots. So you got right. your gods and you got your space and science and horror. So you are into everything. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I actually, I, I really kind of like to challenge myself, you know, to, to write different types of stories because I didn't want to just pigeonhole myself as a superhero writer right. you know, or a sci-fi writer. Um, I also have um, another story that's going to be coming out in Alterna's upcoming anthology series, their If series. Um, and it's a short eight-page story. It's it's more of a crime story. Okay. Um, but it's it's called The Mountain, um, and it's actually a prologue to a expanded series that I have that I'll be looking to pitch next year. Um, but I also have a few other things in the hopper, just not quite at the uh, printed stage just yet. It's not quite as true to what you would expect in modern digital printing. Um, you know, you do have a little bit more of that bleed into the paper, okay. and it doesn't necessarily have the same finish. Um, but the thing that I like about it, especially for this story, is it has that retro kind of feel to it that I'm looking to, you know, kind of stylize my okay. entire story around. Um, the inspiration for this story really comes from um, you know, 50s retro space, you know, I kind of right. wanted to take that and then try to throw it into the industrial age, turn of the century, and then see what I could do there because after all, it is a parallel dimension. So I can kind of play around with a few things here and there right. um, and see, you know, what kind of fun things come from it. Um, and then the alien uh, planet that they actually go and visit um, is filled with crazy, wild, very future, you know, 50s futurist sort of, you know, uh, Star Trek y, you know, kind right. of uh, civilization. So awesome. So the, the color, although a little bit different, like, did you have to change any of your coloring techniques? To not do it really. Or? Not okay. really. Um, you know, I, I think I've gotten it to, you know, my, my style and my, um, my process down to a, a science where I, I don't feel as, uh, 
as scary when it comes to right. print, putting my stuff out on print. <laughs> you know, when I first started, you know, it took a while to really kind of figure out, okay, I need to make this lighter, this darker, you know, but now it's like I, I have kind of honed in on my, my proper palette to be right. able to, you know, feel comfortable with the prints coming out. So. so how do you shop around and find people to work with on these books? Well, um, right now I'm essentially just going from con to con and I meet people networking. And, and networking and you know Joseph I, I met him at the very first time that I ever came to the Motor City Con okay. he sat right next to me oh. and it just was the luck Motor of the City. draw you know he was super talented the guy's been in doing comics for years um, he's been published by all the big you know uh, publishing companies uh, but you know he's always really helpful you know and, and actually when I first met him he got me into uh, the, the Traverse City Con oh, that was the C4. following weekend yeah yeah and it was just sort of a instant you know kind of friendship and from there you know it's been a really good working relationship with him too so um, and then the letterers I just you know like I said I meet him at cons right and, you know sometimes I, I look online and see you know what's out there um, but, you know, sometimes I'm looking for a specific look. I know for Feast or Famine, um, I chose Mike Meyer, Michael Myers because, you know, the guy is, he's got a really interesting style. It's not um, typical what you would see from a letterer. Um, and that's why I wanted to do something a little bit different uh, with the lettering for this book because it's so stylized. Okay. So if you could give one tip to somebody who's trying to break into comics, what would it be? Um, I would say don't give up. Yeah. You know, I think that's probably the biggest thing because, I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times I've wanted to give up over the last few years. I mean, I've been doing this for three years now, um, and just now I'm starting to get something published. Right. So, you know, it takes a long time to get out there, get established, you know, and, and really, all, all it really takes, I think, is determination. You know, I know that talent and money and all that sort of stuff is, is necessary. Um, but if you're really driven to do it and you really love what you're doing, you'll be successful. Right. Awesome. Junkrat Comics, staple of our podcast, is Booze in a Book, in which we pair a booze with a book. I love that. So you could do all three or you could choose one, but we like to ask our interviewees what booze they would pair with their book. Oh, man. That's a tough question. I know. I like See, putting people on the spot, though, because you get the truest answer when you put them right, on the spot. Right. <laughs> um... I, geez, um, I would say I'm gonna just go with Atlas because I think it'd be too hard for me to figure out <laughs> drinks for I'll all three. I'll come find you with the next Motor City. There You'll be ready you go. For that one next all right. year. So for Atlas, um, I would say Atlas is a good old-fashioned. Okay. Yeah. All right. Got a little bit of your whiskey in there. You got a little bit of that sweetness in there. So it has sort of that bite but at the same time it also has that uplifting hope which the story I hope gives to people. Perfect. That was perfect. Dave, thank you for You're taking the time to talk to me and I hope the rest of your time goes awesome. Have a great con too. Thanks. Alright, we are with the man himself, Jay Foskin. Jay, how's it going? It's going very good. I'm at my, uh, one of my favorite cons ever, so I got all my friends here. Good times. I've been trying to come up to your booth like multiple times so far, even today, and you just keep getting bombarded with people that it's like hard to get an interview with you. Uh, well, I'm just appreciative anyone wants to interview me, so thanks for coming back. Well, come on now. <laughs> your art is phenomenal, and uh, you've worked on many of books, and you even have your own creator-owned uh, book as well. What's it like, the difference between doing established properties like My Little Pony 
or as well as doing Bodhi Tool? Uh, clinically, the big difference is a guaranteed paycheck. Uh, you know, and, and I don't mean to be cold about it, but you know, with a creator-owned book, typically it's like the publisher will put it out. If there's any money made, it's after all the expenses are covered, then you might get a cut of something. And that's not always going to happen. Now, with My Little Pony and, and the stuff I'm doing for Marvel, you know, guaranteed paycheck, wide exposure, everyone's going to see it around the world. And most of the time you're working on stuff that you loved since you were a kid, so that's just like a dream come true. Now, uh, doing creator-owned book, it's still a dream come true, and it's a, a labor of love. If you make money off of it, so much the better, but that's not why I'm doing Bodie Troll and Dead Duck and Zombie Chick. I mean, those are the things I love the most, and I'm just thrilled to be able to do a little bit of everything in the industry. Now, how did you break into the industry? Uh, I broke in with Dead Duck. Uh, I created Dead Duck when I was a kid, and over the years, I gradually put together this sort of mythology that manifested into a graphic novel. And then I started pitching it around in 2008, no, 2007 even, and uh, got the attention of a publisher named Ape Entertainment. I saw them over at Wizard World Chicago, and things just kind of snowballed from there. And as soon as they picked up Dead Duck, even though they were a tiny publisher and it wasn't like huge exposure, uh, that acclaim, if you will, because it did well for them, got me into the National Cartoonist Society and introduced me to guys like Scotty Young and Katie Cook and all these people. And things just kept on growing and growing since then with more creator-owned books by me and more opportunities for established properties. Now, when you were a kid, what point did you know, like, this is the avenue that you kind of wanted to go down? Oh, honestly, I, I think I was four or five years old because I've been drawing since I was two um, and, you know, showing an aptitude for it by the time I was four or five. So when I was five, I saw a documentary on Charles Schultz, and I'm like, that's it, I'm going to be a cartoonist. That's what this is about. You know, this artwork is leading me to be a cartoonist, and that's what happened. I've worked in comic strips, comic books, children's books, all forms of cartooning except for animation, so I really I covered my bases. Do you have a favorite when it comes to comic strips or comic books or children's books? A lot of the ones that everybody loves, like Peanuts, Calvin and Hobbes, Zitz, uh, Bloom County, uh, but I love ones that people long since forgotten that were around in like the early 1900s, like Crazy Cat, Little Nemo in Slumberland, and, and you know, older, you know, Dick Tracy and, and stuff like that, Alley Oop. So I've, I've got like a wide appreciation for comics throughout the generations, and I'm a bit of a historian with that stuff too. And now you've worked on, on many different books, doing covers and stuff. Is there any like property that you as a kid were like, man, I want to do that someday? Like, what's your holy grail if you could? My holy grail, well, I, there's still many that I want to do, but, you know, I grew up loving the movie Labyrinth. I'm the, one of the biggest Jim Henson fans you'll ever meet, and I always wanted to work for them. And then in my adult years, I got to work for them because I've done comic books based on Labyrinth and other things for the Hensons, and, and I've worked on Sesame, the Sesame Street comic book. Um, and so that was that was a goal. I always wanted to work on stuff for Marvel, but I always, growing up, I was like, they don't use cartoony artists. It's not going to happen. And then guys like Scotty Young come in and kind of kick the door open for guys like me to show that cartoony art can be in a superhero comic. So that was another thing that, you know, I'm very thankful to him and thankful for the opportunity. Uh, but there's still more and more I want to do. I still want to do an actual Muppets comic, you know, Kermit, Piggy, Fozzie. That's, that's still a big goal of mine. Um, and, and there's some lesser-known properties I'd love to tackle, too. Now, uh, going into the Jim Henson realm, because we were kind of talking before, 
uh, about the, the new Netflix series coming out with the Dark Crystal. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? I think it's absolutely amazing. And I don't know why it never occurred to me that rather than a movie, they could do an amazing series because they proved it with, um, oh gosh, their, their sci-fi series that they used to do. Babylon 5? No, not Babylon 5. Oh, it's completely... Farscape. Oh, yeah. that's Yeah, right. they proved with Farscape yes. that they could do something like that. So, you know, they've been trying to, to get a Dark Crystal sequel or prequel off the ground for years. Oh, yeah. And then when Netflix comes along and shows, look what we can do. We can do this groundbreaking TV series stuff, you know, with movie quality, movie budgets. And the Hensons jumped on board. They got Brian Froud, who's the original designer for not only Dark Crystal, but for Labyrinth. Oh my God, it's gonna be phenomenal. Uh, one of my good friends, Haley Hu, is gonna be a builder on that show. She's an amazing sculptor uh, from uh, Portland, Oregon, and a puppet builder. So I'm just, I'm thrilled all around, so. So is that something with your connections that you kind of want to like somehow throw your chips out there and be like, can I get on set? Can I maybe backstage? <laughs> I've already, yeah, I've, I've pulled some strings already to the degree where uh, because of my connections with Henson, I'm like, hey, how about a tour of the studio? And they're like, come on over. Oh, so I got to go in there and look through all their files and stuff. They had the letter I wrote Jim when I was 11 years old, and his response to me was oh, in there, goodness. which was amazing. <laughs> um, and, you know, seeing all the characters hanging on the walls, I got my picture taken with Snuffleupagus and Cookie Monster. And so, yeah. Wow. But if I could be on the set for Dark Crystal, yes, I would, I would <laughs> jump at that opportunity. Now, um, with... Did you see any like set design concept work already for the series, and is it in the same vein of the movie? What little I've seen is pretty much what everyone else has seen uh, in that preview. I only knew about it going in because I had a, my friend Haley was auditioning for it uh, to work on it. So, but from what little I've seen, and because Froud is on it, and not only Froud but uh, his his wife, care. Uh, Wendy Froud, who was originally from Detroit. She was a doll maker in Detroit, and Jim hired her to build the prototypes and eventually other uh, facets of the Dark Crystal puppets um, back in the late 70s. So she's working on it, and their son Toby is going to be working on it, who was also the baby in Labyrinth, also named Toby. Wow. Yeah, so it's like a family <laughs> affair now, and it's going to be incredible. So. I've heard that uh, they are moving forward, and I don't know if it's still rumors or not, because I haven't seen anything yet, but it's been talked about forever, another Labyrinth movie. Yes. Yes, they are. And that's another thing. Toby's going to be the head puppeteer for that, which is really ironic, and supposedly Jennifer Connelly's coming back. Wow. Rumor has, the, I, I don't know how much stock I put in this yet, but they're looking at Lady Gaga to play, not like Jareth the Goblin King or anything like that, but sort of a variation of that character. She's like called the Goblin Witch or something like that. So I think that's brilliant casting. I think it is, too. I'm not mad at that at she all. She is such a Bowie archetype. Yeah, it's just perfect. Sure. So um, so I've been hearing that. And uh, supposedly, and I don't know about this, Johnny Depp would be involved in some way. And I kind of I love Johnny Depp, don't get me wrong, but I think I'd rather not see him in it and see someone less obvious like Lady Gaga. Right. Yeah. That's for sure. Now, um, the pre like. Jim Henson, like that, everything that he's touched, I've loved growing up, and just the puppets alone. Like I've watched documentaries about how he transformed and created these real life, like like beings. nothing else that had come before them in puppets. Yeah, and and I can't even imagine though a world where there were puppets that weren't puppets. It's all puppets prior to Jim were very at least children's show puppets were very much like Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, which has its own appeal. 
but they were so kind of stiff, mechanical, and a little haunting sometimes. And gyms came up with the idea of using soft fabrics for flexibility and range of expression, and that's what gave them the life. These characters didn't even have to blink or move ears or anything, but just the fact that you could crunch up their faces gave them some humanity. You know, not to mention the great character development and writing, right. but just from a physical perspective, it's amazing. Yeah, and that's something that if I could ever get my hands on, or just going, as you said, I'm jealous of you that you've gotten to go through there and see, like, <laughs> the icons that we've grown up with. That's crazy. I may even be touring the Sesame Street set. Uh, if I can get out to New York when they're filming, one of my good friends, Leslie Carrara Rudolph, performs Abby Cadabby. So she's going to get me on the set for that. And I'm just like, yes! That would be sweet. Yeah. Now, I do have one question, um, and it's going to be weird. I'm okay with that. What's with Jay? Which Jay? Because we're all named Jay here, aren't Jason we? Jason Clark. Oh, okay. Your your affinity of drawing him is like hands down, like you you get his essence. His essence is so out there. There's no hunting involved. It's like just you don't even have to know him. He is so iconic with that hat, and he's got kind of the jutting jaw and that really cool sort of separated beard and everything. I mean, he's a character I wish I designed. It sometimes feel like I designed. Because of all this, you know, and that's just his physical. His personality is somewhere between uh, Popeye and a, a, <laughs> a, a Darby O'Gill. <laughs> yeah. Darby O'Gill and the little people. Wow. You know? Uh, that's, that's a deep cut. That is, that is. <laughs> but, uh, you know, a great personality and one of the warmest, most incredible guys ever. One of my all-time best friends, as is his wife, Erin. Um, and I don't know. That's you can. Everyone adores him. You can attest to that. Everyone here will. He knows everyone. He's everyone's best friend. Um, and he's just so much fun. I mean, yeah, whenever I see, like, you do a new drawing of him and it's on Facebook and stuff, I'm like, oh, damn, there should be a book following him and his adventures in podcasting. Like, yeah. Yeah, and he's really a big proponent of bringing other people in. People have never podcasted before and saying, you can do it, you know, and let me just give you the basics and you run with it and make it your own. So if I were getting into podcasting, he's the guy I'd be looking up to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, Jay, thank you so much for taking some time to, to talk with us. And Thanks for interviewing me. I feel really privileged that... You think I'm worth it. So. <laughs> oh, you're definitely worth it. Your heart speaks volumes of that. Oh, so. thank you very much. Well, that's it for this week. Uh, we have another one that's going to be posted on Friday and then back to our regular podcast next Monday. And I think we might be able to squeeze one more out of all these interviews out. So stay thirsty for more interviews from Motor City Comic Con.